Good morning, and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual and spirited community dedicated to the free and responsible search for truth and meaning, and to being in right relationship with one another, with ourselves, and with our planet. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in everyone. And in the spirit of that spark of the divine in everyone, we have a time in our service where the spark of the divine in you can greet the spark of the divine in the other people who are watching on our live stream this morning. And so if you do have comments, please greet people. And if you are from far away, um, let us know where you're watching from. Good morning. I'm Peggy Morton, and I'm your lay leader this morning. So please say the chalice lighting with me. This is the flame we hold in our heart as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth that we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation. And now the call to worship reading is from Lao Tzu. Being deeply loved by someone gives you strength, while loving someone deeply gives you courage. This congregation has a mission statement that we wrote for ourselves to guide our steps and our decisions as we move forward together. We wrote that mission statement on the wall of our sanctuary, and I hope that very, very soon we will all be here to look at it as we say it together. This morning, please say it with me. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. And we have a moment for beloved community after we say our... um, mission statement, and I'm going to start talking more about the eighth principle of Unitarian Universalism. Right now, as a whole denomination, we have seven principles, and there is an eighth one that has been um, suggested. And so I'm going to read it to you, and I know that your first inclination, because you are Unitarian Universalists, as we all are, um, is going to be to rewrite this. But if you can let go of your need to rewrite it, just listen to it the way it is. We're going to vote up or down on it the way it is. Okay, ready? Here we go. The eighth principle affirms and promotes journeying towards spiritual wholeness by working to build a diverse, multicultural, beloved community by our actions that accountably dismantle racism and other oppressions in ourselves and our institutions. I'm going to talk about the very first phrase of it this morning as part of our moment for a beloved community. We journey towards spiritual wholeness by doing this. So the racism in our culture keeps us all, no matter what skin tone you have, keeps us all in different ways from spiritual wholeness. The people who identify as white and are identified as white uh, are kept from spiritual wholeness by benefiting 
from this whole system that keeps white people on top. And people who are not white, people who are um, black, brown, indigenous, Pacific Islander, those folks do not benefit from this system. And their spiritual wholeness is disrupted by being stepped on many times a day in big and small ways by this system that we all live in and that we all have inside. And so we want to journey towards spiritual wholeness by dismantling the system that is not only outside of us, but is also inside of us. And spiritual wholeness is something that you don't just grab one day, click a switch, and you're spiritually whole. It's a journey. So we journey towards spiritual wholeness together. That's what we're doing. All right. That's all I'm going to say about it this morning. And I will keep talking about it next week and the week after that. morning. What is love and how do you know when you are loved? In the book we're reading today, we're going to hear about lots of different ways of loving and being loved. And then after we read the story, I hope you will think about all the different ways that you are loved. Love by Matt de la Pena, illustrated by Lauren Long. In the beginning, there is light and two wide-eyed figures standing near the foot of your bed, and the sound of their voices is love. A cab driver plays softly on his radio while you bounce in back with the bumps of the city, and everything smells new, and it smells like life. Love, too, is the smell of crashing waves and a train whistling blindly in the distance, and each night, the sky above your trailer turns the color of love. In a crowded concrete park, you toddle toward summer sprinklers while older kids skip rope and run up the slide, and soon you are running among them, and the echo of your laughter is love. 
On the night the fire alarm blares, you're pulled from sleep and whisked into the street where a quiet old lady is pointing to the sky. Stars shine long after they flamed out, she tells you, and the shine they shine with is love. But it's not only stars that flame out, you discover. It's summers, too, and friendships, and people. One day you find your family nervously huddled around the TV, but when you ask what happened, they answer with silence and shift between you and the screen. In your dream that night, you are searching for a love that seems lost. You open and close drawers, lift cushions, empty old toy bins, but there's nothing. You wake with a start in the arms of a loved one who bends to your ear and whispers, It's okay. It's okay. It's love. And in time, you learn to recognize a love overlooked, a love that wakes at dawn and rides to work on the bus, a slice of burnt toast that tastes like love. And it's love in each deep crease of your grandfather's face as he lowers himself onto an overturned bucket to fish. And it's love in the rustling leaves of gnarled trees lined behind the flower fields. And it's love in the made-up stories your uncles tell in the backyard between wild horseshoe throws. And the man in rags outside the subway station plays love notes that lift into the sky like tiny beacons of light. And the face staring back in the bathroom mirror, this too is love. So when the time comes for you to set off on your own, heavy winds will sweep past your building and great gray clouds will congregate above. Your loved ones will stand there like puddles beneath their umbrellas, holding you tight and kissing you and wishing you luck. But it won't be luck you'll leave with, because you'll have love. You'll have love, love, love. So our meditation reading today is from Pablo Neruda from 100 Love Sonnets. I love you without knowing how or when or from where. I love you simply, without problems or pride. I love you in this way because I do not know any other way of loving but this, in which there is no I or you, so intimate that your hand upon my chest is my hand, so intimate that when I fall asleep, you close your eyes. In our worship service, when we enter into prayer and meditation together, where we speak and listen to God as we understand God, or where we listen to our inner wisdom that bubbles up from within, or where we just follow our breath as it comes in and out of our bodies. Let us enter into the wise silence together.
We hold in our hearts this morning people who are dealing with illness, people who are waiting for war or cruelty. We hold in our hearts people who are joyous and celebration, celebrating. There is so much love and destruction going on at the same time in our world. We ask for clarity about our part in it, whether we are to ease the suffering or add to the joy or both in our lives, our brief little lives. You are now invited to light candles of joy or sorrow. When we are together, we light them in the sanctuary. When we are scattered into our homes, we light them at home. Joy or sorrow, remembrance or determination. used to make New Year's resolutions when I was a kid, and then even growing up every year, I would try to make one. Never kept them very long. I don't know about you. But some years ago, maybe 20 or 15, I started making little tiny resolutions, like short ones. They would float up into my mind in late December. And uh, the first one was, tell the truth. Now, I have always been a really truthful person, um, but I also was raised in the Southeast. So just a little socially lubricating lie was something that I was raised to do um, when someone would ask an awkward question that they didn't really want to hear the answer to. So that became the problem, and also that I would lie to myself. Like, I only ate five of those potato chips. That was a lie to myself. But the lies to other people, sometimes people will just downright ask you, um, like they'll be talking and they'll go, I love when um, bluegrass bands cover popular songs. I love that. Don't you? And I would have to say, Bluegrass covers of popular songs hold a very special place in my heart. It's just true. It's the place where I picture what hell would be like if I believed in hell. Because my idea of perfect hell is filling out paperwork outside at a county fair, hot in the summertime, 
while a whole flatbed truck full of white people clogged in the background to a bluegrass cover of Give Me That Old Time Rock and Roll. Yeah, I thought about that for a while. That's the worst. Not that I have anything against clogging. I do have something against bluegrass covers of rock and roll songs. <laughs> anyway, that's just me, and if you love it, that's fine. I could hardly wait for that year to be over, when I could stop having to tell the truth all the time, and I could just go, uh-huh, when somebody asked me if I liked something that I didn't like. The next year, it was Be Quiet. That floated up through my consciousness when I was in prayer and meditation one day. Be quiet for this whole next year? What am I supposed to... How... I partially make my living by talking. Listening, talking. Listening, talking. You want me to give up the talking part? And the universe replied with... Quiet. So I had to figure it out. And what I finally figured out was... Okay, I had to be quiet inside. I needed to learn to be quiet inside. I needed to learn that I didn't always have to have the answer to every question. And I needed to learn that I didn't always have to be first in any discussion to voice my opinion. I did not have to have an opinion even in a group discussion. I did not have to be what they call early dominant. In a group discussion, I could just sit back and not say, even though I had things to say, I didn't have to say them. Boy, that was a relief almost. I thought it was my responsibility to give my opinion no matter what, but lo, it was not. And the universe had told me so. So there were uh, some easy years and there were some challenging years. And who would have guessed that the year that my resolution was, enjoy your life, would turn out to be a challenging one? That was challenging. Because I was raised in a Calvinist culture where enjoying was suspect. Mm -hmm. And you weren't allowed to really enjoy anything without thinking of all the people who were in trouble in the world. And you weren't allowed to really enjoy your life because that meant you were too tied to worldly things. And even though I had left my Presbyterian heritage at that point and my Calvinist upbringing, it doesn't ever leave you, really. I mean, you have to open closets in your inner world and find great big piles of Calvinism in there and clean them out over and over and over again. It doesn't just leave you. So this year, I find that I am pondering a question, not a resolution. I'm just pondering a question. So it might be my resolution, but it's mid-February, and if I don't have one by now, I might not get one. But this might be it also. Pondering this question, what would happen if people felt really loved? Like the book Kelly read us about all the ways that people are loved and all the ways that you can feel loved. What if you really let yourself feel loved? 
loved. I know when I feel loved, my whole body relaxes. I can breathe better. My mind can breathe better. I can open myself to new possibilities and new experiences. And I think when I feel loved, I also am able to change better. If someone challenges me on something I've said that's um, not quite kind or that's a little bit sexist or racist or misanthropic, uh, not that I ever say anything like any of those things, but if someone were to challenge me, I think if I would feel safe in the world and loved, I would be able to go, oh, yeah, you're right. I don't want to be like that. I want to say something different, this or this or this instead. And now that I know better, I can do better. And I wouldn't go into that spiral of shame that a lot of times people do. When you point out something they've said, um, even in a kind way, they start going into like, oh, I'm the worst person in the world. How could I ever have let that come out of my mouth? I don't even know. I'm just so terrible. Anyway, that's just another way of paying 100% of attention to yourself instead of 100% of attention to loving other people. So if you can just go, oh, sorry, that was bad. I'm going to try to do better now instead of beating yourself up, which is a distraction, that would be better. And people felt loved. And if people felt safe, they could do that a lot better, I think, rather than being shamed and scolded. Just say, hey, I don't think you meant to say that. Anyway, that's another sermon. So some people say that they have just felt filled with love from God or filled with love from the universe. Just standing there, they felt filled, they felt light, they felt full. And I have to say, even though I would love to feel that, I have never felt that. And I think a lot of people have never felt that. But I do believe the people who say they have. That's great, and I'm glad for you. I just never have. And even though I feel like um, what I believe and what I've said to you all a number of times is that I believe that there is a river of love that flows through the universe. And that's the river I call God that you can dip your toes in or you can dive all the way in. I, I do believe that and I act on that, but it occurred to me as I was in meditation, dipping myself into the river of love, not feeling filled up by it, that maybe it's, it is I who must start the love, the river of love flowing through me. It's I am the one that needs to start loving, start making every action an act of love. And if, the, if I start flowing with love, that's maybe when the river of love will fill me up. I don't know, but I'm going to try it. And, you know, um, I don't see very many people these days, and neither do you, because most of, most of y'all have been uh, isolating and in quarantines and in your house and socially distancing, and ugh, it's been really hard. But I do see people on the road. I see other drivers, so I can try to love other drivers. I do see people in the parking lot of the grocery store while I wait for my wonderful wife to go 
into the grocery store and buy groceries. I see people in the parking lot and I can try to love them even if they don't have masks on. I can try to love them. And that would be practice for me loving people. I can love the people I see running by the side of the road and see if I can't be the one who loves and to make my actions actions of love. And you know, I've told y'all before, also this, that I've read Kant. And Kant says in his ethics, you ask yourself what would happen if everybody did the thing you're going to do every single day. And I think it might be good if everybody loved every single day. But I'm not sure I could do it, and I think maybe it would make me grumpy. So I think I might try loving every other day. You know, this is what I tell you all. Just try to improve yourself every other day and just give yourself a rest on the alternate days. Because I think, really, that most of us feel that if we give out love, there'll be less of it in us. And I'm not really sure that's true. I think if you give out love, it's like practice. It's like a muscle and it gets stronger and stronger. And then pretty soon, maybe if I can manage to love all those people that I see, actively love them, not just notice them and go, huh, that guy doesn't have a mask on, but say, dear God, dear universe, oh spirit, thank you for that man. And I hope his life goes well. And I hope he's surrounded by love from his family and friends. If I can do that, maybe the river of love will start flowing through me in a way that I can feel better. I do feel loved in my life. I married very well and have wonderful friends. I feel loved by this church congregation. And I love you all back. And so I want us to try, maybe every other day, to make all of our actions an opportunity to give love. Wouldn't that be something? And now, let there be an offering taken to sustain and to strengthen this place. We don't take an offering physically because y'all are not here. But what we do is Martha puts the link to our offerings into the comment section if you're watching on Facebook And if not, you can go onto our church website and donate there. We love you all, and we appreciate your gifts, and we appreciate your generous pledges, and we appreciate your paying on those pledges. Thank you. You're supporting and sustaining this church so it will be strong as we come back together soon and very soon. Please join me as we say these words to extinguish the chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we're together again. Please sing with me if you care to. I know this rose will open. I know my fear will burn away. I know my soul will unfurl its wings. I know this rose will open. Go in peace.
This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.